Welcome back to a brand new episode of Hot Marriage, Cool Parents. Uh, we are, well, actually, it's, uh, I shouldn't say we. Uh, it's uh, Doug today. We are currently hiring a new assistant that uh, will also help with facilitating uh, guests and things for the podcast, which we're excited over. And so Jamie is doing that hiring today. Now, something that I didn't expect, and I, I guess I didn't realize last year, was that uh, my daughter Henley's school was actually off for two whole weeks, two whole entire weeks. My daughter was off, which was which was interesting. It was fun, um, you know. Aside from going through the holidays and, and getting through that, which was absolutely incredible. I hope everybody had a uh, fantastic end of the year. Uh, happy holiday. This year was the first year where my son Hendrix actually got it. He he got in the Christmas spirit. Uh, we actually went to and, and did the Enchanted Santa experience, which was amazing. And we're going to be sharing some some videos and some pictures from there. But uh, they genuinely thought they saw Santa. The Santa was the best Santa that I've ever seen in my life. Um, sounded everything. I mean, the whole entire experience was magical. But just to see my son and and having the understanding that this is really the first Christmas where he gets presents. He knows Santa. He knows the reindeer. It was truly special for all of us. Um, And we also had a very, very low key New Year's this year. And it was one of my favorite New Year's because we did it with a couple families in our development. We didn't go anywhere. Um, we were just trying to decide which house that we were going to have it at. Now, our house currently isn't furnished fully. Uh, so we were open to having the New Year celebration at our house, but we don't have cable. Uh, we don't have a, a ton of furniture. Uh, thankfully, it was kind of warm out, so we were kind of banking on that where we could hang out outside, maybe in the yard. But it was there was a lot of kids that were also there. So it was our two kids. Um, and then each of the other couples, they all had two kids that were there. The stipulation in the beginning, and the reason why I say this was one of my favorite New Year's is because um, the one wife said, we can do it at my house, but we have a hard stop at 10, which I absolutely loved because the thought of uh, trying to force my kids to stay up and awake until midnight uh, you know, when we were just so close to home was a little troubling. Uh, and I didn't know how that was going to work out. But we ended up doing the entire, we, we had fireworks in the backyard. We ended up doing the countdown on the TV at around nine o'clock. And it was perfect. We had the celebration, the kids were able to say Happy New Year, and we were able to go home. And it was just such a nice low key holiday and New Year's for us. Um, I thought it was going to be, it was sad not seeing family. If, if anybody is, uh, if you've moved away, if you have spent your entire life and have the routine of going to a family member's house for Christmas Eve or Christmas Day, wherever you celebrate that, this was the first year we didn't see family for the entire holiday. And it was, I didn't know how it was going to go for 
Henley and Hendricks, uh, you know, my parents had, and, um, and Jamie's sisters, they all sent gifts up through the mail because they knew ahead of time we weren't going to be there. But this was the first year waking up and not being able to say we're going to grandma and grandpa's house or we're going to my brother's house, which was normally the routine, even for, even for New Year's. And it was, it was absolutely incredible waking up having the kids have their Christmas morning and then going on FaceTime and being able to open gifts with, with my parents. So it really, it really truly worked out well. Um, we haven't seen them in a couple months, which is, which is really sad. It, this has been the longest time where we haven't, um, where we haven't seen someone from our family, whether they're coming here or we're going back there. We just couldn't swing it this year. And, um, you know, I, I think with, with Henley and Hendricks, they, because we prepped them early, it actually worked out. Uh, and I, I don't think that they really had any, uh, any sadness or any, like they were prepped fully for it, which we were really, really happy about. Uh, we have a fantastic guest today on later, uh, which is Dr. Leeds, who is a, a dentist, but he's also a child sleep expert. If you've been listening for a little bit, you know that we've been having trouble with Hendrix sleeping and going to sleep and sleeping in his bed. And Dr. Leeds brings up some brilliant points about uh, whether it's it's breathing, uh, you know, the the whole idea of melatonin. Uh, we cover it all and, and kind of the role of parents and, and how to wind a kid down. But it, it gets a little bit more scientific than that. And there were some new things about how we breathe um, and really what happens during our sleep and getting to sleep, which I was really excited to talk about. He's a, a super fun guest. Uh, he's, he's actually a doctor that's in a, a rock band. He owned a radio station. So really interesting and, and can't wait to hear what he has to say. But I also want to quickly recap Married at First Sight up until now, because I right now the latest episode is 11. Uh, we're on episode 11 now. I think 12 comes out very, very soon, depending on when you're listening to this, it probably will already have come out. I want to give a recap because I, I definitely have some frustrations with this season um, and a lot of frustrations. And I hope that, you know, this, I hope the issue that I've seen with the last couple seasons of Married at First Sight, I, I genuinely hope that this gets remedied. Um, it's not so much the experts. The experts can only go so far with interviewing people, going over their psychological assessments, going through what people say in the interview um, and through their little sit-down sessions. What's frustrating is the people that they put on the show, they're different people as soon as they get on camera. They're different people. They portray themselves as something. And it's major things, personality, uh, what, what their morals are, who they're, uh, what they feel about marriage. Um, you know, and I got a lot of opinions about, about Brennan, uh, which I'll, I'll get into. Um, just, I, you know, his, his whole idea of saying how, how sacred marriage is and, you know, part of his, you know, fiber and part of his being is being like genuinely treating marriage as something sacred. And you just don't get divorced. And he's doing everything opposite during this season, uh, which which I, w- I want to get to. But first, I do want to give a 
quick five-star shout out to Spicy Grandma. Uh, Spicy Grandma, thank you for leaving your review. And um, we read all our reviews. And I know we say this all the time, but we, we love hearing your reviews, your feedback, any guests that you want, any topics that you want to discuss. Please leave it in, in a review. We do read them and uh, we, we hope to incorporate that. But this one says, Doug and Henley Grace interview, which was our previous episode. Uh, this interview made my day. I smiled and laughed through the whole thing. My sister used to have interviews with all our kids when they were little. Best memories ever. You know, speaking on on memories, um, one of the one of the companies that I had um, done some work with is uh, StoryWorth. This isn't an ad whatsoever, but um, it got me thinking because I started to notice, you know, we're, when we're not seeing my parents, they are obviously getting older, and not being around them, it has been really hard for me. There's been a lot of distractions uh, up here. You know, we certainly have a lot of things going on. We certainly stay busy. Anybody that also has two kids, uh, you know, six, three, toddlers, even teenagers, I'm sure, you're, you're always busy. You're always going to something, especially during the school year. There's always some after-school program or something that you need to go to. For us, it's dance, gymnastics. Um, but Henley has started to really say that she misses her Gaga and Pop-Pop. And she said it again to me last night, right before bed. She wanted to cuddle with my parents' picture. She wanted to cuddle with my parents' picture. Sometimes with your kids, you don't know how they feel about certain things. We could ask them questions. You know, I asked them, I asked Henley, how was school today? She goes, great. What happened? I don't remember, you know, but when we, when we talk about not being around and, you know, that hasn't really been our focus, um, you know, not being around family, this was, this was the first time she was really sad that she hasn't seen her grandma and grandpa. That hasn't happened before. I haven't seen her genuinely upset with the move and not being around our families. Um, but working with this company, StoryWorth, they, if you haven't heard of them, they, they put together a book um, based on, it's almost like different interview questions for a, a loved one or for parents. And we started this last year where I set my mom and dad up and on a, on a weekly basis, they ask personal questions. What's your favorite childhood memory? Uh, what was the hardest part about parenting? Um, you know, what were your thoughts with having kids? On a weekly basis, they email questions all different types of questions. And as the person that, that set them up with StoryWorth, I can add pictures, they can add pictures, but at the end of the year, they put together an entire book filled with the questions, the answers, uh, pictures, images, everything. And it's a way to preserve their memories. 
I'm looking forward f- to to getting the book and and preserving their memories and it was the first time me recognizing that they're getting old. And when you don't see somebody for when you don't when, when you don't see somebody on a daily basis, you don't you, you don't recognize that as as drastic as it is when you're away and then you see somebody. Um, hopefully we're going to be able to see more of them coming up because it's really been on my daughter's mind. It's really, she's really brought up her, her, her grandparents a lot lately. Um, you know, and, and I try not to, as much as I try not to think about it, you know, it, it's always, it's always on my mind. The fact that we don't, we can't go over their house or we can't, we, even for holidays, we can't be there. And all of, all of that was just brought up. And then Henley saying that last night was just, it was hard for me to, to hold back. But as much as I want to say that, that this holiday was, was one of, you know, one of our, most low-key and chill. I mean, we not having to go anywhere on Christmas Day or really Christmas Eve, uh, we were able to spend the day together, present as, as a family, instead of doing something real quick and then knowing that we have to get dressed, get up, and go to somewhere else. Uh, it was nice just having that moment and being able to really soak in Christmas time with Henley and Hendrix, uh, because they were so excited for their elf on the shelf. They were so excited for Christmas. They were so excited that they saw Santa and then just being able to wake up with them in the morning and just be with them all day was just, it was, it was really amazing. Um, you know, and I'm, I'm always interested in hearing what Henley's outlook on life is. Um, she, (laughs) Uh, like I said, when I ask her questions about when she comes home from school, everything's fine. Everything's good. Um, but, uh, anyway, thank you, spicy grandma for, for making me go into that emotional, uh, moment, which just happened last night, actually. So, but, um, before we bring on Dr. Leeds, uh, I do want to give my little recap about season 17 of Married at First Sight and, Episode 11 just happened, and, you know, if if you've been watching this season, I'll say spoiler alert now, even though the season's not over, um, but if you're looking to watch the beginning of the season, if you haven't watched it yet, here is your spoiler alert. I won't go into too much detail, because uh, it's really just about the most recent episode, but uh, it has a lot to do with how the cast has sort of evolve from beginning until now, um, which I don't think I'm alone in saying that this season is very frustrating. Um, you've had one couple that didn't even make it past the wedding, the walking down the aisle part, um, you know, and, and Michael, I thought, handed, handled it extremely well, very mature. You know, it's it's something that, that he could have taken a, a very bad way, but I... I really see him as a, a genuinely positive person, and, and I hope he does grow from that experience. But looking into some of the previews, uh, it looks like that he may have a second chance at, at love. Um, he may have a second chance at, uh, you know, maybe the experts had found him a new bride, which 
I'm kind of on the fence about because if you had your whole entire self, uh, you, you gave these experts everything about you. You gave these experts everything about your deal breakers, everything that you wanted in a wife, and they found that person. And that person walks down the aisle and says she can't do it. To then hear that there's another match for you, it's, I hope that, I hope he's happy about it. I would be skeptical about it. I don't know how the, the girl would feel, you know, being sort of the second pick or, you know, the alternative. Um, you know, the whole idea of getting matched with somebody is this is going to be, you know, it, it's almost, it almost went from, from our season, we want to find you the perfect match. We want to find you the perfect person based on your ideas, based on your personality, based on your deal breakers, based on who you are and who you want to be and who you want to be with. That was the matching process. To have someone have two matches, it just seems like let's, let's find the, the compatibility match. Let's find someone that we think can work out. And I'm sure it goes deeper into that with the experts. I, I mean, in fact, I, I know it does because it did with us. And I, I imagine that it, it's, it's gotten even more expansive. And, you know, having certain data points and being able to use algorithms like match.com and being able to match people up and then to instead of being an online match, you, you actually get to talk to the person. And, and I'm speaking from the expert's point of view. It does give them a good sense of who can be with who. But to get a second match and say, this one we hope is going to work out, I would feel, I would, I would be a little skeptical about who they're going to match me up with because it's, you know, you, like we really didn't get it right the first time. You know, the second time, you know, it, you know, I, I don't know. I, I just, I pray that it works out. I think Michael is serious about getting married. I, I think he does want love. I think he does believe in the process, which, you know, if he says yes to agreeing to have somebody, you know, to have another match, to go through another wedding, to go through picking out a tux and, and getting his grooms and all his friends and family to come again to a wedding. Uh, I, you know, it, it tells me that he's, he's serious about it. Uh, I just hope that it works out for them. Um, but this particular episode, and I think one of my most frustrating couples is Brennan and Emily. So Brennan, which I was talking about earlier, it sees marriage as something that you stay in. When you get married, you stay married and you do whatever it takes to make that marriage work. The fact that we're at episode 11, we're at the one month mark, the fact that he's can get in a a group setting and at this dinner that they have with all the couples and say they're taking it day by day. You don't have day by day. You don't have day by day in Married at First Sight. You can take it day by day, but if you're not working towards anything, if you're saying I want to take it day by day week one and week four, that doesn't make sense. If you're not into the person, if you don't see a future, just say you want to leave. I feel like he's stringing her along. She is an absolute sweetheart. She is handling it better than, than anybody could expect her to handle it. Um, it's just in his interviews in the beginning, he was this 
person that enjoys opening up and, and loves marriage and, you know, wants this to work to someone that is so uncomfortable speaking about anything, not opening up, not caring about the person he's married to, and just kind of going through these little pictures of what a husband should be and a, a strong husband and protector, you know, without any substance behind their relationship. And I don't know, it's just not looking good between them. And, and that's, that's my, my thoughts on that. Um, you know, he, I, I think this episode, he called Emily a red flag, and he would have been out already. Get out now. You're not getting over that. If you think somebody's a red flag now, get out. Because it's not fair. It's not fair to her. And, you know, when we get, when, when I speak a little bit about the dinner that they just had, you know, the fact that he doesn't recognize when she's upset, why she's upset, and, and just is all of a sudden clueless is beyond me. I, I don't get, when, when Jamie and I went through Married at First Sight, season one, it was a non-negotiable to stay in the same place for the experiment. Obviously, you can't force people to sleep together. But we were not allowed. I shouldn't say we were not allowed. It, it, it wasn't even a thought. It, we weren't really even given a choice other than to stay together. These last couple seasons, and I, I don't know how far back it goes, but you know, the fact that, that they're staying in different apartments is really frustrating. The, it just... You know, at that point, you're just doing it to be on TV. If you can't spend a night or if you can't, if, if you're going to get, you know, you're getting married, you know, you're getting married on Married at First Sight. There's no question about that. You don't sleep in different apartments during the experiment. You have six weeks to stay married or get a divorce and you're going to spend the night apart. It doesn't make sense to me. If you feel unsafe, 100% stay, stay in separate places. The times that Jamie and I bonded, the times that Jamie and I connected were off camera, late night talks, pillow talk. Jamie and I didn't, didn't, didn't have, have sex during the experiment. We, we barely got intimate. You know, we, we would make out. We really started falling in love with each other during the season. What allowed us to grow as a couple and not fall into platonic just roommates was the fact that we were staying together and we were having pillow talk. We were talking into late night. We were having that decompression, the idea of coming home from work and seeing your wife, not coming home from work, chatting on the phone and saying, I'll see you tomorrow morning or I'll see you next time we're filming. It doesn't make sense. A marriage is coming home eating dinner, spending time with each other, if you can. Jamie was a, 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 she worked labor and delivery. She worked the overnight shift. We didn't, we didn't necessarily have that. But we woke up in the same place. We went to bed in the same place. And those were the moments that we really connected and got to know each other. If you spend time away from each other, you, you can sleep in different rooms. You can sleep in different beds. But don't lose out on that breakfast, that dinner, that decompression, that let's chat about our day. There's no intimacy in chatting over the phone about that with a stranger, with someone you're just trying to get to know. It doesn't work. It does not work. And I don't understand why 
that is that that is happening. I, I just don't, you know, and and that I think is what really frustrates me about these these last couple of seasons is the lack of effort. You know, the experts can only bring you so far. The experts are gonna are there to help, and you can reach out to them at any time. But you got to put in the work. You got to want to make it work. Don't get unmarried at first sight if you don't want to treat it like a marriage. Sorry to be on a soapbox here, but there's just a, a couple, you know, some of the couples now. And, you know, at first my frustration was with Orion and Lauren and, and the fact that Orion could judge what Lauren was doing, a stranger that you never even heard of, never knew. The fact that he could judge what she was doing and who she is about anything pre-experiment, not cool. Not cool. I don't know. But, you know, the the other couple that I thought had a, the other couple that I thought had a chance to, to turn around and, and some, a couple that not, I didn't relate to so much, but um, Claire and Cameron, you know, the couples that don't necessarily have a connection in the beginning, I feel like, have good chances to grow and build a foundation later on instead of having that, you know, like the, the Brennan or the Austin and Becca, how they were just, they were just boom right away. Just lovey dovey right away. It fits. It works. A lot of times that doesn't, that fizzles out. A lot of times you start at this high place and it just goes down. There's no buildup. Not all the time. You know, we, you have examples like Ashley and Anthony. You know, they, they got along pretty well in the beginning right away, and, and it worked. Um, but Claire and Cameron, I, I thought might have had a, um, I thought might have had a chance. But at that group dinner, the fact that, you know, Cameron put, put it right on blast, like, okay, on the count of three, uh, where do you see this marriage, divorce or getting stayed? They both said separated. They both said divorced. You know, I... I get the fact that, you know, you may not want to continue with the experiment at that time, but to say you want a divorce when you're really getting to know each other is not, is still not giving it a chance. You, you have to put yourself in uncomfortable, vulnerable positions or the relationship isn't going to work, you know, and it, it just, it reminds me of some of the couples where they're both not really into it. One person gets really into it and then loses interest because the other person's not really trying. And then the other person starts to build this interest and starts to have a crush. And then the other person's out. Uh, that's where I see that relationship going. I, I don't, I think Cameron's just completely turned off about waiting. And I, you know, I'm, I'm on the fence on whether he didn't, he didn't give Claire space um, or, give her the time that she needs. I don't know what he expected right away, but you know, there also has to be some patience there. But you know, if you feel platonic, if you feel like friends, you know, that's okay. But if you're going to if you're going to start talking about divorce month 1, just get out. Just get out. You know, the the idea that you're staying together and your whole reasoning uh right now for not wanting to stay together or wanting it to work out is you don't want to build up feelings only for it to fall apart when you want to get a divorce later. Why stay together then? My final thoughts about Married at First Sight, I, I do want to talk about Becca and Austin because here is a couple where Becca is agnostic. 
the idea of religion comes up. For some, maybe that's a deal breaker. But you say that to the experts in the beginning. But what threw me off, and and they're such a cute couple, um, but it almost feels like they're just scratching the surface when they're on camera, and I just see frustrations happening because that is not going to last. Austin tells Becca, I would still love you even though if you don't believe in religion, you, you're going to go to hell. I would still... The fact that Becca got upset about that is, it's weird to me. Because for someone that says she doesn't believe in heaven and hell or doesn't know she believes in heaven and hell, why would she care if, she, if somebody that's religious thought she was going to go to hell because she doesn't believe? If you don't believe, then why give that statement weight? If you don't believe where you're going after death, what does it matter what somebody else thinks? I don't get that. I, I genuinely don't. The fact that she could be upset and it warrants uh, you know, a call with one of the experts and the fact that she's upset because he said that in his religion, anybody that doesn't believe would go to hell. He's saying he would still love her here on earth and still love her even though she's going to hell. For someone that doesn't believe to get upset about that, it just doesn't make sense. I don't, I, it just doesn't make sense. Um, but those are my thoughts on episode 11 um, of Married at First Sight. I know next week Jamie's going to be back and we're going to break down the new episode because I do believe that this next episode coming up, uh, they, they have found a match for Michael. Um, so if that's true, this will be round two for him. And I'm curious how that's going to go, what the conversation is going to be, how that wife will then feel if she knows already how she would feel about being the second pick. And it's not like being the second pick, it's just the compatibility. But if I was her, so many things would be racing through my mind. But I I think that Michael is mature enough uh, and eccentric enough and has a positive outlook that he'll be able to walk his way through that uh, just based on his conversations with the experts. So... But now I think is a good time to bring on Dr. Leeds. So let's bring on Dr. Leeds. Actually, before we get to that, I do want to thank one of our sponsors this week, Honey Love. Now we've spoken about Honey Love before. They have shapewear and bra. Uh, Now Jamie has a couple bras from Honey Love, which she absolutely loves. Anytime we've gone out, anytime we've gotten dressed up, Jamie has used the shapewear. If she's hanging around the house, she always has her Honey Love bra on. Now, Jamie got the queen brief, which gives more of an hourglass shape, and I'm not used to wearing shapewear, but from what I've heard, shapewear tends to roll down. Now, Honey Love has this flexible boning in the side seams, which makes it so it doesn't roll down. Plus, there's a little access if you have to go to the bathroom, but if you're used to having a wrestling match with your body, with shapewear, just to get in, get out, that doesn't happen with Honey Love which is probably why they were voted the top wedding day shapewear. And they not only have shapewear, they have tanks, they have leggings, they have bras. Jamie has the silhouette bra, which is super comfortable. More importantly, though, there's no underwire. It has adjustable straps. You can even crisscross them depending on what you're wearing. She looks amazing in both, and you can treat yourself to the best shapewear on the market and save 20% off at honeylove.com backslash coolparents. That's 20% off by going to honeylove.com backslash cool parents h-o-n-e-y-l-o-v-e dot com backslash cool parents and get 20% off 
Okay, let's get back to it. Today on Hot Marriage, Cool Parents, we have Dr. Blaine Leeds, who is the leading provider who helps people smile and sleep. He's treated more telehealth patients than any other provider in the world. He's a practicing general dentist of 28 years, licensed in 12 states, and an expert provider of clear aligner teeth straightening. He is an expert in sleep health and has co-authored the much-anticipated book, What Happens When Your Child Doesn't Sleep? Unlock the Secret to Happy, Healthy Children, which we all want. By embracing new technology and AI, Dr. Leeds has pioneered new treatments that have offered millions of Americans more access to dental care. He's a dad, he's in a rock band, he's owned an FM radio station, and he is our guest today on Hot Marriage, Cool Parents. Welcome, Dr. Leeds. Well, thank you so much, Doug. It's great to be here with you. And uh, my wife and I just celebrate our 33rd anniversary. So we have a hot marriage and we have cool kids and we are cool parents. So I'm ready to roll, man. So let's talk. Yeah, for us, it's ironic. Um, we're trying to have a hot marriage and full parents. But that's also another reason why I'm excited to talk to you because we have a six-year-old daughter and a, a three-year-old. Um, and we're going to get into some of the, um, some of the sleep habits and, and issues that we're having. Um, the first question though I have is, um, would you say that owning a radio station is a great way to get your band's music on the radio? <laughs> it's a terrible way to do it, right? Um, <laughs> actually the owning, I would advise no one out there to ever own one small market FM radio station. You can own 39. That's okay. But, but just owning one, uh, we had a lot of fun. We've made hardly any money. Uh, but it's a funny, it's, it's a funny story because my, my buddy and I, we were covering a lot of the sports on, on the radio. We were covering high school sports and some university sports and he owned four drive-in restaurants. We'll keep the brand out of here. So, uh, so, but, but he, he was doing fine financially. And so we're riding to work and I'm like, you know, or to, to call a game, like, you know, if we own this station, this would be a write-off for us, you know? And, and so he was like, Hey, that's again. So fast forward a couple of months and we bought the thing. And, uh, you know, I think the guy actually typed up the financials like that morning and hoped that we, you know, would actually overlook them, which we did because we wanted the thing anyway, but, but no, it didn't help us get our music on the radio at all. We, we don't even have any original music, right? We're just an old fart cover band. We play Tom Petty and the stones and <laughs> the Beatles and all the good Freebird. stuff. <laughs> yeah, hey, I mean, we can do it right now. If you want, if people feel it, you know, and and our 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 lead guy can play every single note from the Freebird solo. So you know, we're happy to do it. But and it's it's uh, you know we 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 talked about making some original music at, at one point, and and one of my sons is both my sons are actually professional musicians and actors, so they're 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 doing it all the time. My son's got eleven albums on Spotify and Apple iTunes and stuff. But That's amazing. Yeah, he's he's. He's playing, you know, he's been on the road basically since he was 16 playing guitar. And, and, uh, uh, so, you know, we were cool enough parents to do that, right. Create a, yeah. out a rock and roll guitar player and an actor. So, which is what we did. There you go. Um, but yeah, so we didn't, we just love playing, you know, good old classic rock and we get some cool gigs and some corporate things that we do. And we've got a couple of live rooms, you know, in our, in our state that we love to play and a couple of casinos. We played hard rock in Tulsa, you know, it was a lot of fun and, you know, so we, it's, it's been fun. We've opened for Kansas and opened for 38 special and Steve Miller. Wow. It's been fun. Good for you. <laughs> it's funny. Um, it funny. I mean, it's crazy that, you know, that these kind of things can happen, but yeah, well, it's a passion project. I think they call that. Yeah. Um, 
Now, for, for me personally, I, I am looking forward to, to this conversation just because um, as far back as I can remember, I've always had dental issues, which caused me to hate going to the dentist. Um, I have sleep issues. Uh, I was a bedwetter. Um, I have AD, ADHD. Uh, I'm a mouth breather at bed, which is all certain topics that, that I'm sure we'll get into. But um, as, a, as a parent, I genuinely, because I, I have a lot of regrets and frustrations with how I treated my dental hygiene. Um, and I don't want to pass that procrastination and sort of lack of urgency onto my kids. Sure. Um, but on the other hand, too, is if you never learned good dental habits, uh, it's kind of tough to try to teach them um, as, as a parent. So, um, you know, I'm always waiting until the last minute to get, get things fixed. Like the cavity has to be like paralyzing me before I go to the dentist to get it out. So, um, you know, I want to, and, and even before we get into some of the, the questions there, um, could you give us a little bit of, of your background when it comes to um, the becoming a dentist, but also your connection with dental health and, and sleep habits uh, with children? Yeah, happy to. Um, you know, this is my 28th year in dentistry. I went to the University of Tennessee Health Science Center in Memphis. Um, I'm licensed in 12 different states. Um, and so over the last seven years, I've been focused pretty much on Clearliner Orthodontics uh, with companies like Smile Direct Club, Invisalign, Candid, and OrthoFX are the main companies that I've worked with. Uh, many of those companies, I, I actually did remote care where we just use what's called store and forward technology, where we had really good medical history and dental history for the patient. We had great high def photographs that were better than I could take with an interoral camera in my office, you know, and then we had a three-dimensional scan, which is a series of images. The scanners are either a Medit scanner, an Itero scanner, which Align, the parent company of Invisalign makes those. Um, but these scanners take 6,000 images a second. So we get this really accurate impression uh, or glimpse in the at at someone's interoral situation, almost like we're holding models in our hands in our office, so we can tell, you know, what their baseline is and where they start and where they finish. And I got asked by Smile Direct Club to come help them out in Nashville back in 2017. I was partners in a, a group practice in Arkansas at the time, and I was one of the first 170 general dentists in the nation certified to do Invisalign back when it first started way back in the, in the nineties, back in 1997. So um, that's a little bit about my history, but I owned regular old dental offices too. So I've talked to lots of guys like you who are, by the way, it's not just you don't feel like the Lone Ranger, it, especially it's mostly guys, right? Girls are tough, right? They hatch out babies They, you know, they, they, they don't mind. Oh, oh you're going to inject yeah. some my eye to make me look prettier. Sure. Go ahead. Yeah. You know, they don't care. And, and so uh, they're, they're great patients. In fact, 77% of dental patients are women. 93% guys don't go. We don't go until, like you said, until that cavity is so painful that I can't, you know, can't take a bite of anything without it killing me. Yep. And that's the way most guys are. And isn't that sad that here we are in 2023 and we're still talking about people being afraid to go to the dentist, but it's still true. And in, in the U S one in five people don't go to the dentist because of fear. I don't go at all. So you got 20% of the population out there who's not, not going at all. And so what's the, what's the rule? You know, let, well, the rule is early and often, right? Start your kids little when they're two or three years old, even if they don't go in, do anything, but go in there and squeeze a squeezy toy and walk around the office and just see that it's not a scary place. 
And by the way, if you're listening to the the podcast and and your dentist is a scary place, find somebody else. I mean, it's 2023. You, you should, there should not be pain in, during a procedure. There should not be, I mean, I, I mean, I had an assistant one time that said, told a patient, you just need to get tough. And we, we, we stopped. And I'm like, I took the gloves off. Was, Let's go down the hall for a minute. No, they don't. That, that's not the kind of place that we, we don't operate that way here. If they're hurting, <laughs> guess what? They're really hurting. When a patient says to you, I can feel that they can. You know, as a provider, you know, we need to listen to our patients. And so, you know, go to a dentist that will say to you, so Doug, do you, do you want to remember being here when you come? Are you okay with just local anesthesia or do you need local and nitrous or what do you, you know? And we used to ask patients that that was one of the first things we wanted to know is how, how comfortable or cognizant do you want to be as a patient? You know, when you come in the door and man, you talk about making your life easier. I mean, as a, as a provider, we don't want to go in there and have somebody so frightened that we can't even start, you know, the procedure. So that's wasting our time and, and yeah. their time, and, you know, the average dentist sterilizes 99 pieces of equipment or devices just before an individual can even sit down in the chair. So these are not like haircut appointments, right? We're not just, you know, right. no offense to my stylist <laughs> and hairdressers out there, but, you know, this is a medical procedure. We're, it's a dental procedure. We're getting, we're ready, we're getting ready for you, you know? So, but, you know, go early, go often, go, go twice a year. Do you know why people go twice a year? Do you know why insurance pays twice a year for hygiene, for cleanings, for checkup? It's all based on reverse marketing. There's an old Ipana toothpaste commercial from the 1950s. And at the end of that commercial, it said, oh, and see your dentist twice a year. And so the insurance companies got together and they thought, you know, that, that commercial people have seen that ad. So that'll seem reasonable. So let's pay, let's pay benefits out twice a year. And it's been that way ever since. And there are some patients who need to go three times a year, four times a year, you know? Mm -hmm. So, and that's another key as a patient, you know, never look at your insurance as a, as a method of treatment. It's just a method of payment. It's to help you you know, get some, you know, augment the pay, you know, payment of the doctor, the team for what they do, but don't ever let the insurance determine, you know, as a patient, you know, what, what you're going to have done, let, let the doctor and the team share with you, you know, find a great doctor and team and then go see them and listen to them and do what they say. And, and, and so, but, you know, the key is, you know, how do we, how do we vet a dentist? How do we find somebody in 2023? You know, it's, it's really hard. I mean, you have to, and but a lot of times it's the oldest way we've ever had, which is word of mouth, right? Somebody says to yeah. you, Hey, Doug, I went to Dr. Smith, you know, and he was really gentle and, you know, and so, you know, talk to your friends, look online, the reviews are, you know, they're, they're, they are what they are. They're real. I mean, some of my reviews are lousy, you know, so I mean, I've had a couple, everybody has, and, you know, yeah. maybe had a bad day or maybe somebody misunderstood, but, you know, um, but yeah, so just, Go go early, find a good provider and team and 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 keep up with things and plan ahead. Yeah, I, I always wished that dental insurance would cover more cleanings because a lot of the, you know, and I don't want to blame insurance because it, you know it it's my own issues. But oh, we you, can blame them if you want to. I'm happy to yeah. I'm happy. <laughs> I'm I mean, happy it's there. Yeah, it's like every every cavity or or anything that I get. A lot of times, uh, for for me, I had a, a dentist um, when I when I switched dentists from my childhood dentist, and I was looking for a new one. Where I felt like she she made her own holes in my teeth with that pick, 
because I wouldn't hurt. And then I would start to feel or poke around and then, you know, and then cavities would turn into root canals. Next thing, you know, you're spending five, 600 bucks for, you know, a, a procedure. Um, all of these teeth, I, I have three implants over here. Um, I had to get my, uh, the gums grafted. I, they screwed it in and, you know, my jawline or whatever the, the gum line was deteriorating. So they had to get in quick and, you know, it was just, it's a mess. And, uh, every time it felt like every time I went to the dentist, there was something, there was always something and some issue that was happening. But I've also heard that there is a, a tremendous connection between good health, uh, and, and what, what starts at your mouth and kind of what you can, you can, you can see some issues that are happening. And that's when it sort of the light bulb sort of turned on for me was just like, I, I, you know, I don't want my mouth to be the cause of some major health issue. Um, you know, and I think that, um, a lot, we have a lot of parents that listen to this podcast and when it comes to bedtime routines and, or even just healthy toothbrushing routines. Um, can you help us understand what a healthy or ideal teeth brushing session would look like with, let's say, toddlers or when you're starting to teach your kids how to brush their teeth? Sure. Well, let's start all the way back to when they first get their teeth. I, I used to tell uh, parents and, and you, please consult your pediatric dentist on this as well, because I'm a general dentist, but I did have little, little patients, you know, two and three year old patients sometimes. And I, I like to start with the little ones just using a, like a baby washcloth and having mom and dad just take their index finger and thumb and just, cause the babies like that anyway, and they are always putting things in their mouth. So if you can just <laughs> scrub the individual teeth, you know, with your, with a, with a little, I like that because it's really hard to get a, some sort of a bristle in there, you know, when they're right. two years old or three years old, but then just as they're able to, and as they get more dexterity, you know, put a toothbrush in their hand, let them, let them do what they can, and then just kind of work with them. And then, you know, as soon as they have all their teeth at age one or two, they should have their first visit, right? They should go in and see the pediatric dentist and, and it, even like we said, even for the first visit, just to look around, maybe they go back when they're two and a half and, and they see that it's a happy place and they get their teeth clean. And so they learn and they'll get instructions too from, from the team there about how to best brush. And um, when a patient has sensitive teeth, they, they could be grinding a lot because when enamel is the hardest substance in our, in our body, hardest organic substance. So when we press the upper teeth against the lower teeth and clench the teeth together and fire our jaw muscles, your teeth are only designed to touch one another about two minutes out of a 24 hour day total. And that's when you swallow. So if you find yourself clenching your teeth together, be thinking lips together, teeth apart. But if even as a young kid, if you remember being sensitive all the time, you may have just been clenching a lot at nighttime trying to breathe because what patients will do is we all need to be breathing through our nose. Humans are obligate nasal breathers. We're supposed to be breathing effortlessly, quietly, invisibly through our nose all the time. Mm -hmm. So if, if a patient's not breathing through their nose, many times their brain will send signals to their jaw muscles to clench their teeth together so that they will breathe through their nose. Wow. And so my adult patients that snore a lot, they'll, you know, they'll snore for an hour and then their, their brain will say, oh, you're not going to get any oxygen. So let's, let's clench the teeth. Let's move the teeth around to where we get the, the nose, the right distance from the chin. 
And that if you look oh, at a profile, it opens up the airway inside the, phary the pharynx so a patient can breathe. So, you know, you're so right about dentistry being, you know, the starting place for a lot of health issues. And, yeah. and since these dentists out there are seeing folks twice a year, you know, I've got patients that have had cardiac bypass since I saw them last, right? But we see them twice a year. And so we update medical histories every time. The average uh, person in the U.S. sees their medical doctor about uh, 12 minutes every seven years. Okay. So the, but the dentistry, because of, it, of the way we do it in the U.S., people see their dentist and their hygienist twice a year. So we notice things like changes in their weight or their their fingernails look different, or, you know, they, they have big bags under their eyes now and they're breathing through their mouth and we lean them back in the chair and they've been grinding their teeth more. We can see that there's wear there. So one of the things that we like to do at our office is we try to take blood pressure on our patients. It's just a nice service. And so if we see an un unexpected spike in blood pressure, that means, okay, what's the body doing? We're ramping up uh, heart rate, we're increasing blood pressure to get blood to all the vital organs because they're, they're in some sort of distress. And wow. if patients have a, an idiot, what we used to call idiopathic hypertension, there's, there's always a cause. And that's what we want to deal with in dentistry or medicine is what's the root cause here? What's causing this patient to have attention problems? Why can't they focus? Could it be that they're not resting and their brain's not getting restorative sleep at night because they're breathing through their mouth or they can't breathe through their mouth and they're, you know, they're choking to death every night. Let's rule that out first before we put people on stimulants. You know, that's what everybody in, in my community wants to, that's the reason we're talking now is to get this message out there. You know, let's, before we, we go do big pharma, which we need to do at times, there's no question. Sure. Need it. Some people need it. But let's rule out some sort of other physical thing first that could be the source of all the all the issues. Yeah, and you know something that um, something that came up a, a lot during the podcast, especially over the last uh, I want to say couple episodes, um, even before, was uh, sleep training and trying to get your kid to sleep. And you know, my Jamie and I are trying for baby number three. And we know that from 9.30 or nine o'clock until about one, we know there's gonna be, there's a guarantee there's no kid that's gonna be coming into our bedroom. I, I am anti-kid sleeping in the bed. I always have been, um, obviously not when, you know, when your wife is breastfeeding, it's tough to justify saying, no, I don't want the kid in here, you know, because then she's gotta, you know, go and, and do her thing. But, um, you know, we've, we started late with both of our children as far as sleep training and being able to go through there. Um, my daughter's gotten past it now where she sleeps in her own bed throughout the night, which is amazing. My son, who's, who's three, um, he's getting to the point now where he's been waking up and coming into our bed or he'll fight going to sleep. And, you know, we'll start the, <clears throat> start the process at, at eight o'clock and then It'll take us till about nine, nine thirty before he finally settles in and is able to stay in bed. Um, and one thing that I that I saw that was uh, that was mentioned is you suggest that parents not necessarily drug their children to sleep. Uh, I'm assuming like with melatonin and different things like that. Can you can you for someone that has used melatonin for their kids on occasion? Um, 
what are some of the challenges? I, per, I personally don't have any any problem with melatonin. I oh, think okay. it, as long as it's, you know, dose appropriate for their size. I mean, that, that's just the hormone that all of us, you know, use to sleep. So, you know, I, I don't have any issues with that. Um, okay. I think, um, you know, there's several great programs out there. I mean, going all the way back to Dr. Spock, we did that with our, our son, who's now 32. We, I'll never forget it. You remember how the old VCRs used to have the blinking clock on the front? Well, we mm-hmm. figured out a way to set our clock. And so the, <laughs> We put him in, I mean, because he was, he was getting up every night, you know, uh, and, and we were just miserable, you know, nobody was sleeping. And so we just, we put him in, in the bed and the first night he, he cried for 21 straight minutes. Yeah. And which is an interesting thing in itself. I mean, do you know that babies don't, they don't get hoarse. You ever notice they can yeah. cry. And, and it's so, and so the crying, I have a buddy who's a vocal teacher in Nashville, Brett Manning. And he talks about this because he teaches vocalists how to get into that mix range between their head and their diaphragm, because you can, you it's, it, and it, it is the same wow. function that a baby, when it, that's why a baby never loses their, I mean, you think about it, you're thinking this baby's cried for an hour. How do they do? Well, it's, it's the perfect mix of uh, vocal mix in their larynx where they're able to do that. It's a, the, the crying is, but my son cried for 21 minutes, the first yeah. night, 18 minutes, the second night. 15 minutes, the third night, the fourth night, he said every word he could say, mama, daddy, ball, you know, like eight words and fell asleep. And from that time until he could climb out of his baby bed, when he was like two and a half or this child slept 10, 12 hours a night. It was amazing. The, we want to see about the width of a 10 cent coin between each tooth. And, And I'm telling you, if I look at a thousand kids, I might see one child. We, we call them unicorns now because they're so it's so rare to have a kid with perfect, you know, spaced out baby teeth. And the reason for this is, is that, you know, many of these kids are getting a pacifier before they leave the incubator. And when you yeah. suck a pacifier, you know, you're moving the, the cheek muscles together and it's moving the baby molars together. And when the baby molars move together, the palate arches. And the, the, the space above the palate is where we breathe with our nose, right? So when the palate arches, the airway space above becomes smaller. And then we have sleep disordered breathing challenges. Mm. And I, because every child. I, yeah, I had, uh, I remember having uh, braces for about six years. Uh, and then I had a palate breaker where my parents had a key that would go in there and bring my, my yeah. palate further out. Um and because my, my wife and I were just talking about this because my son Hendrix, um, his teeth are spaced. Yep. And you think that, you know, it's just like, I wonder if he's going to have those spaces. I never thought about it where, you know, it's almost preparing for adult teeth to come in and making sure that the, they have room um, yep. from there. Uh, but something that, that you mentioned too about um, some of the issues that children can have when they don't sleep. Um, can you tell us a little bit about, about that? Sure. Um, well, you mentioned that, I think you mentioned that you had, you had bedwetting issues as a child. So I did, yeah. so did my sister. Well, we know now, uh, my sister may have even had an unnecessary kidney procedure as a child because she had, she needed expansion. And that's what we're really saying is most of the Western hemisphere, North America, South America, Canada needs expansion. And when you look at people 
you know, they're, in other words, their, their molars are too close together. If you open really wide, it'll look like somebody's taking their index finger and thumb and shove their molars together because yeah. the arch should be big and rounded and everybody has underdeveloped jaws. And so they need this expansion. So, um, but, and re refresh my memory on the question again, you were asked, yeah, something specific about, um, yeah, it was, um, uh, just so, some of the, um, some of the effects of um, a lack of sleep in children. Oh, yes. Yeah. And so what happens is when we breathe through our nose, it's the only time in human anatomy and physiology when, when nitric oxide is released. When air is breathed through the nose, there are little sensors near the parasinuses that release nitric oxide. And this chemical is a vasodilator. So it, it speeds oxygenated blood everywhere that we need it in the body, right? To the brain, to the muscles, to the heart, to the kidneys. And so bedwetting, it turns out, is a sleep disordered breathing symptom. Because oh. when a child is not breathing well, the brain starts to say, okay, we're, we're in crisis here. Well, we got to get oxygen in the blood as fast as we can. So let's, let's flush the kidneys. And, and we'll filter more blood and we'll get more oxygen. And so that is exactly what's happening. So if we give one of these appliances to 10 seven-year-olds that are bedwetting, seven of those children will stop bedwetting tonight. Wow. Tonight. The other three will stop eventually. It may take a year for one of them to, to do it, but it, they'll all stop if we eventually do what? If we put this appliance in there, let the child sleep with it. And what it does is it allows the tongue to do its job, which is to rest up in the palate behind the baby incisors and, and expand the palate. The tongue is the body's natural palatal expander. And when the jaws are too narrow and underdeveloped, there's no room for the tongue up there. So the tongue falls back into the airway space and then we have breathing challenges. So, uh, but, but those are the main things, bedwetting, poor sleep, mouth breathing, uh, irritability, you know, short tempered all the time poor performance at school, maybe mom, mom getting a note saying, Hey, we need to go talk to the counselor. You know, this happens to one in 10 children. They tell us every day in public school across the U S a child is recommended to go to the counselor about behavioral issues. Um, and so these are the signs and symptoms that you're watching for as a, as a parent. Now, um, when you, when you mention appliance, what are you referring to? There's a, it's a, well, for tooth pillow, we use a Vivos guide. There's a company called Vivos in Colorado that makes the appliances. There's another company called Healthy Start that makes some appliances. Another one called uh, Myobrace, which we use sometimes. Um, but it's just a, it looks almost like an athletic mouth guard, but it's a much more technique sensitive and, and more carefully made device that has exactly the right amount of flex and toughness so that a child can can clench into it. But really, it's not it's not just the appliance. It's a whole process of, you know, do we have the right sleep environment? You know, is the what's the temperature like where the child is sleeping? Is it too hot? Uh, also, myofunctional therapy is huge, uh, which they can actually parents and kids can actually have a session like we're talking right now over Zoom if they don't have a myofunctional therapist in their dental office. But these are are people who have been trained above and beyond dental hygiene so that they can teach the, the kids where proper tongue placement is. And it's just some simple exercises that can be done. So really you combine all those things together and that's the, the treatment for this. Huh. And you know, that's, it's just so interesting because you never, it, it's not, it's not a common, uh, it's not commonly taught that way. 
Um, right. When you think of, you know, sleep habits and oral habits, it, it's like, um, you know, well, what is, what are they eating before, you know, before they go to bed? What's the room temperature? Uh, you know, what's your sleep schedule? Like no one really mentions or talks about, or, or at least in, in, in my sphere, um, that link between, you know, where your tongue is, your, your sleep habits, uh, and how it all gets mixed in. Uh, that's pretty eye-opening. Well, and, and it really shouldn't be, but, but, but here's the reason why it's because we have medical school and we have dental school and, you know, they, they, since they know in the medical school community that the dentists are being taught about the oral cavity, they don't talk about it in medical school. They spend about two to three hours, not, not, uh, college clinical hours or, or academic hours, but three hours, 180 minutes total in the medical school curriculum is spent on sleep. So it's, we just don't have the time in our institutions or the communication between the two entities, because here's, here's an example of it. Uh, I can't diagnose sleep apnea because I'm a dentist. That's out of my field of purview, you know, as a, as, as a practitioner, but I can treat it because I can make an appliance that helps somebody breathe through their nose and doc only doctors can diagnose sleep apnea, but they can't make an appliance that helps somebody. They have to refer them to us. And so there's this, you know, all they can do is, is treat the symptom with CPAP, which is the gold standard for adult care. And that's what you hear about for adults. Yeah. And, and, and only four in 10 adults can tolerate wearing it. You know, when, when my daughter first started getting teeth and my son, it was, you know, the, it, it's almost like the thinking is those teeth are going to fall out anyway. So, you know, you want to teach them good habits, but why do anything for the teeth if they're just going to fall out? And, you know, that's just, uh, it's almost laziness on, on my part, you know, well, not taking the extra step. Well, I mean, don't, don't beat yourself up over it. I mean, it's, it's one of those things where uh, that is true. I mean, those teeth are, are, are temporary. Right. They're going to go away here in a few years, but we know that, that it's kind of a good, better, best thing. You know, can we take out some baby teeth if they're a problem? Sure we can, but you know, and, and will it, well, is a child going to be maimed forever if that happens? Absolutely not. But what's the best thing, you know, and, and that's what we all want for our kids, right? We want the the best possible treatment, the best possible breathing. We want a big, wide smile with a flat palate where their tongue can fit up there behind their teeth and they can breathe through their nose. That's what we're all after. Yeah. And it's, you know, when you, when you start to then, I, I wasn't ever really into meditation or uh, any of these sort of practices until really I got married and my wife listens to meditation and um, you start to notice what's that? My, my wife too. Yeah. And well, you start to notice when you're listening is that nearly all of them start off by take a slow, deep breath in through your nose and out through your mouth. And one of when I was playing baseball, one of the things that would sort of center me and calm me down um, was because uh, one of the sports nutritionists had mentioned it was, you know, sit there and imagine when you're taking a breath imagine the air actually going up through your nose around your head and out your mouth. And you do that a couple times and, you know, you'll sort of get in the zone. And now it, it starts to make sense when you're, you know, you talk about the, the vasodilation and you start to talking about, talk about the blood flow and 
um, how it brings oxygen to your body. Um, you know, and I've ever since then, I've made it a conscious effort to get used to breathing through my nose yep. uh, and being able to do that. And, uh, you know, it's, it's just, it, it's nice to know that there's something for kids to teach them proper habits. And I know, I mean, every parent notices when their kid doesn't get enough sleep at night, or you notice when your kid needs to take a nap, you know what it does to them. Yep. And just, you know, the importance of, of good, healthy habits and, and, you know, starting when they're younger, I feel like is uh, essential uh, with having healthy children, um, you know, and for a parent, you know, that doesn't necessarily have the resources or may not know, um, what are, what are some of the, uh, resources that you would recommend people check out? At definitely toothpillow.com. Okay. Uh, or the myobrace website uh, or vivoslife.com, V-I-V-O-S. You can put these in the show notes if you want to. Yep, that's what I was going to say. I'll, I'm going to leave yeah. links. But, to, but to these companies, uh, they, they have doctors that work with their systems and can provide treatment uh, in their state, you know, where they are. There are, there are dentists and, uh, that have been trained in how to deal with the airway, how to help patients expand their arches and breathe through their proper orthodontics that keeps airway in mind. You know, they're, uh, because it's, this is sadly, you know, a new, a new thing in dentistry over the last two or three years. I mean, I was at the American Academy of Dental Sleep Medicine meeting in Philadelphia in May, and there were some medical providers that were presenters there. There was a, a woman who was a researcher from Canada and she was quoting data from a study of seven children. Well, I, I treated seven children yesterday morning, you know, but seven children for this six or seven month study. And basically she was determined, had determined from this study that sleep apnea may not even exist in children. And it's something that their skull size will they'll grow and just grow out of it. And I had some dental colleagues who got up and left the room while this person was talking. And this is 2023. Yeah. And uh, so there's still so much to be learned about this. And, and again, it's, it's, it's why we're talking now. It's why Brian Ferry and I wrote the book that we wrote. We want to get this information into people's hands, you know, through podcasts or radio interviews or TV interviews or, you know, anything that any, if we can help, you know, one starfish as the old saying goes, you know, if you right. throw it matters <laughs> that starfish that you threw it back in the ocean. Right. So, you know, that's, that's what the mission is here. Let's help people understand that they're, there are alternatives to having a child's tonsils out when they're three. You know, that may not be required. Let's let's at least rule out some of these other things before we go into the night for these kids, you know, or or put them put them on a you know a stimulant that they'll have to be on the rest of their life, you know, some would say. Right. And um, so what are what are some of the um, what are some of the key elements that that parents can take away from your your book coming out? Well, I think um, you know. See your dental professionals early. Um, you know, be an advocate for yourself. You know, you were mentioning earlier that your wife loves meditation. My wife does too. It can help so many people. Um, and we know that, you know, mental health is such an important thing that we all need to talk about. Everybody has anxiety in their in their life and their family. By the way, anxiety 
is another symptom of sleep disordered breathing. If a child is anxious, has, you know, a teenager has anxiety or, or depression and they don't know what's causing it. And, you know, the answer from the medical community many times is to write a prescription for these kids, you know, but before we get somebody put on Xanax or something daily or write them a script with 60 tablets and four refills, I mean, come on, these people are, you're, these people are going to be addicted in four months. I mean, mm -hmm. so let's, let's look into what's really causing, you know, because anxiety and depression definitely can happen when the brain's not getting enough oxygenated blood. So, you know, that's important, but number one, just be an advocate for yourself because in our medical community here in the, in, in the United States, you know, it's all based on whether or not you have insurance and what kind of coverage you have. And so, and these doctors are all busy. They're all scheduled eight months out Their Their teams are all busy. So if we're not advocating for ourselves, that's really the number one thing. And mm -hmm. is, is, you know, watch out for yourself, your kids, read as much as you can and, and understand if, if these, you know, when some, you know, if someone says, Hey, we're going to, we're going to do this for your child, really research it and, and advocate for yourself would be the, the number one thing. Okay, great. Well, and so anybody that is listening, um, where can people find you? Where can people find your, your book that's going to be coming out? Sure. It's uh, the website is askdrleads.com, A-S-K-D-R-L-E-E-D-S.com. And you can pre-order the book there. Should have already been able to get it in your hands already by now, but we're working on it. And, uh, <laughs> or, or just drblaineleads.com is my regular office address. And and uh, we're going to be opening some new locations here in Arkansas and maybe in a, in a state near you, working with some people in Utah and Arizona about that now. So maybe later in the spring, we'll have more locations. But uh, really appreciate getting to talk with you today, Doug. Yes, you too. And, and again, I'll be putting all the, the links and, and everything else in the show notes. And um, Dr. Leeds, it's been great speaking with you, getting to know you a little bit and uh, definitely appreciate the time. Okay. Happy New Year. All right. You too. Thanks. Take care. So I, I do want to thank Dr. Leeds again. Uh, I hope that you learned some. Uh, any parents that are out there, I, I heard. I hope that you had a lot of takeaways from that conversation. I know that I did, and we are looking forward to next week. Again, Jamie will be back on next week, and we'll be breaking down some Merit at First Sight stuff. Please leave a review. Uh, that's how we get to know you, what you guys like, what you want to hear, any topics, any guests. Uh, we are open to suggestions, but if you've made it this far to the episode, thank you. We love you and stay safe and we'll see you next week. Bye-bye.